0: Learn more online at MediaMakingChange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. Today, we talk about the power of community radio with Jenna Yokoyama, one of the interim station co-managers at KBU fm
1: This is Phil Bussey. It's the nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. We are talking with one of the interim station co-managers for co- uh, for KBU, Jenna Yokoyama, um, welcome.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, it's sort of, it's, it's fun to have, you know, another radio station on our radio station.
2: Yeah, when uh, you contacted us, we thought, well, we have to do that interview. It's so meta. It's so meta. <laughs> That's so very Portland radio.
1: Well, let's start with talking about if somebody was new to Portland, what what would you tell them K-boo is where do you, where do you start because there's obviously there's there's history but where do you start by telling somebody new to K-boo what it does and what what importance and what role it plays
2: Well, we always have our line that we like to say that we are volunteer-powered, non-commercial, listener-supported, full-strength community radio for Portland, and now because of the internet, for the world, and, you know, the Pacific Northwest, and that we are very much volunteer-powered. And, you know, a lot of people come into KABU very interested about radio because they've never heard of a community radio station before— And so, you know, we tell them, yeah, we have a very small staff, but it really is all about you. The programming is what you create and you know it it's whatever you put into it. So people come in, most people don't have any radio experience at all. And we, you know, have them go through our volunteer orientation and then what we'll do is we'll put them through a sequence of classes just to teach them how to do the very basics of how to speak on a microphone and how to pre-record things and just we try to figure out where people can fit so we try to encourage everyone to do radio but sometimes we find that some people end up wanting to do the development side or wanting to do some administrative side so our volunteers run the gamut of of what they can do at k-boo
1: and and, and you brought up a couple of interesting points that i want to um pull apart a bit more so is k more about the producer or is it more about the audience
2: Ooh, ooh. (laughs) you are (laughs) digging into the deep radio philosophy trenches there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a combination of both. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we try to find that balance from commercial radio, which often is trying to, well, you know, please the bottom line and so much of trying to please the listener. But oftentimes voices get lost when you or... I want to say perspectives get lost when the audience is the sole focus. So what we try to do is find volunteers who want to bring something from their community and speak from their authentic voice. Mm -hmm. And what we hope in turn is that those from that community are tuning in because they're finally hearing themselves in a non-commercial way. Or maybe we're having people who have never heard from that community before and then are learning from an authentic voice.
1: Is there a show that you can point to that that you think does it really well? And, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sure there's oh, a number of them, no. but what? But... Oh, no, this is. <laughs> and I don't want you to pick. You know, who's your favorite child? But.
2: Okay, I'll pick my favorite child just because it's mine. (laughs) Um, I started at KABU joining a collective called Pacific Underground, which is a show that is focused towards Asian and Pacific and Islander American issues. And so that to me is a very classic example of a KABU program where it's all volunteer run, and it's a collective that has gone between like five and seven people, and we would all take turns bringing up topics that were important to us, and we would always be reaching out into our community to bring in activists and artists and just community members to talk about the big issues, to talk about the little issues, and to just do revolutionary things that you don't often hear, especially on commercial radio. Like, for example, just um, Asian people sitting around and having a round table and having fun. That's something you aren't going to find on commercial radio stations or even a lot of just, you know, uh, community radio stations. And so we've always kind of... Pushed that idea that you know even if something is fun sounding, um, it doesn't mean that it's not something hugely radical and revolutionary.
1: You've you've brought up uh, commercial radio, community radio, a couple times. Um, One of the I think, in especially the last twenty five years, more than any other medium, perhaps radio has been consolidated. Mm I mean, ninety percent of radio stations are owned by really three companies, and um how you know how do you how do you explain to people why independent media like KBO like X-ray matter
2: you know, it's funny um, with the kind of growth of the internet. I wondered how community radio stations would do because, at least cable, we have this messaging of we're bringing you voices uh, from communities. You're hearing from people in ways you couldn't hear before, and which was totally true before the internet, um, where community radio was one of the few places where people who were not professional DJs could come in and bring in voices from the outside. And we see with the consolidation of commercial radio how important that has become. Because even though the internet still exists, you know, and and we see uh, more and more people producing content through things like YouTube or or just, you know, through TikTok and, and all the different mediums that people have, we see that even the internet is being consolidated, you know, and that messaging is constantly being being shaped by that bottom line and community radio I find just amazing that it's been able to constantly kind of go on I feel like it's always a little bit under the radio radar you know we're always kind of um, in that spirit of pirate radio a little bit where it's all about attempting to stay away from being consolidated and constantly seeing that the importance of democracy you know is really really dependent on free speech and um, being able to address things such as oppression and social justice and social growth is dependent on people being able to speak authentically, which you can only have through community media, right? Because you're not going to, like, be bought out by the big iHearts and all that sort of stuff.
1: Right, right. And, and I mean, thinking a little bit more about Kebu the, and the, the wide expanse of Portland's history and mm-hmm. Portland's community, I mean, KABU is perhaps one of the oldest enduring media platforms in Portland. Yep. That's amazing to think about. 55 plus years, I believe.
2: We're 52 this year. 52, sorry.
1: Didn't mean to age (laughs) prematurely, KABU. What responsibility does that have put on KABU, you know, in terms of preserving what was Portland in a changing town? Or what, you know, what what, what does that do to KABU Ah, uh, needing to change with the times like how does Kabu interact with with that responsibility of being this institution that's been around longer than than others
2: you know Kabu has uh, kind of, it, it really reminds me of all community radio stations where it didn't just form out of nowhere. It was uh, helped started by KPFA and Pacifica Foundation. So we have a tradition of coming from another community radio station, and KBOO in turn has helped start other radio stations. I remember when um, X Ray was first coming into play, there were conversations about how does this all work. Um, and so I think that there is a huge responsibility when you are an older institution that has that footing in media within a city that you amplify the message that it's not just about having KABU. We, we really need places like X-Ray and we need places like The Numbers, you know, all the different community stations that are around and that KBU is there to constantly be that foundation. Um, what was the second part of your question? Sorry
1: you know and how does how oh, does yeah and
2: then how do we grow
1: How do you grow how do you change in a city that's changing and in in a media landscape yeah. that is changing
2: well, Yeah you were asking how how does Kebu have to change and so I see CABU as very much a representative of Portland. When you look at KBU's foundings, it started as you know, a very much like X-ray in a basement. And it was a classical radio station. And then it grew and grew as the needs of Portland grew. It became more of a public affair as a news station, and it mixed music. And we see today that KABU is, I'm going to be a little bit honest that we're in a little bit of a phase right now of needing to grow into the year 2020. We're having a little bit of growing pains where anything that's true of most institutions that are long lasting, where especially, you know, we have radio shows that have been on KABU for 20, 30 years. Um, and that always presents the question of, well, how do you appeal to newer audiences? And so we've had to watch KABU kind of grow with Portland as we see the demographic changing as we just see the structure of how Portland is changing we're you know saying hey we can't just uh, let ourselves be grounded in terrestrial radio we have to expand into the internet and that happened in the 90s we restarted our stream and then you know in the last 10 years we've said oh I guess it's time to get onto YouTube and oh it's time to um, realize that social media is actually part of our radio presence you know so it's constantly trying to push ourselves and to grow with technology while also not forgetting our foundings of being a radio station and that that's actually where our strength is.
1: And I, I would think one of the challenges that you also indicated is that idea of programming and, and what is what is relevant to the new voices that, are, that have shown up uh, in Portland, that are here in Portland, uh, uh, to presenting to an audience that is changing with its interest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a show that is twenty, twenty-five years old and and is playing, you know, Grateful Dead bootlegs may not have the same mm-hmm. relevancy anymore. And, and 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 I apologize if I'm, pick- well, I don't apologize to pick on one of those shows, a show, but how does how do those discussions happen for programming? Uh, uh, in terms of asking your show to maybe rotate out or to modernize. I mean, that's, that's a really difficult discussion to it have. It
2: is. It's a painful discussion that happens at KABU. And right now we're actually in the middle of that painful discussion because we've had to bring that up. We said, hey, you know, we looked at our programming schedule and KABU has really high um, diversity goals and, and equity goals and we said okay you know we've had this kind of lockdown schedule for probably around the last decade and we said is it are we meeting those strategic goals are we meeting our mission and we've realized oh we're we're not and not on purpose it's not to avoid it but it's you know when you don't have a system which we don't right now of um, rotating out shows on a schedule you end up having shows that kind of hold their block and while it's great that they get a a a nice, solid following and everything, you don't end up um, often making space for new programmers. So how we're approaching that right now is we're not saying, oh, we're going to get rid of all the shows and make everybody reapply for their shows. Um, I'm sure that's a freak out that people are (laughs) having. Because that that always happens at every radio station when people start to hear that. But what we are trying to do is talk to our programmers and say, hey, how how do you best address um, our goals of diversity, equity, and inclusion And part of that often is about ageism. And, hey, you've had your show for 30 years. And are you making space for youth? Who's going to take over your show when you retire? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've been encouraging, especially our really well-seasoned programmers, to start mentoring so that we don't just not utilize that skill that they've built up. We said, you know, wouldn't you like a vacation every once in a while? Your weekly is exhausting. It's time to start bringing on some younger programmers who can watch you and learn from your years of perfecting that radio skill. Because Mm -hmm. I think any community radio station. That is strong is gonna have that nice blend of people who are new, who are learning from your seasoned programmers, and then your seasoned programmers who are really helping to maintain that audience, but also showing how it's done. Because radio is not easy. You know, that first year that you do a radio program. It, oh, man, when I go back and listen to my first year of my radio program, I was like, oh, my goodness. I don't know how to be on mic. I just I don't know how to ID my show. And just the simple things like that. Um, the mentorship program really, really helps to build relationships, but then also helps continue. It was hopefully legacy of going for 52 more years.
1: You're right. You, you need to turn the compost over. Yeah,
2: You have to. And you have to address it every once in a while. Like, oh, the compost is getting a little <laughs> okay, it's getting a little dry on top. Let's, let's address this every once in a while.
1: And and along those lines, how how is the de- how is the decision or the mission uh, in terms of balancing music and news? I know that you know X Ray has that tension of of there's great public interest here, and then there's also really great music. How do you balance that as as a radio station that that's not always common in terms of an audience? An audience turns into some of these iHeart stations because you know you're going to get a pretty banal playlist, but you know you're going to get music, you turn to NPR to get your news, mm-hmm. but k is trying to balance those. Uh, internally, how does that happen and how does that foster the mission?
2: Well, our current programming schedule, when you look at it as as a grid, from our morning programming is public affairs, and then we have a music block in the middle of the afternoon, and then it turns back into public affairs for a few hours during the evening and news, and then is all music during the evening. Um, it's a schedule that was created around ten years ago, where we said, okay, let's let's block things and better blocks together. Let's you know be competitive with where we think our listening audience is wanting to go like morning time. People tend to want to do the public affairs thing. We know that people are listening at work and, you know, we also want to be able to balance out the news. So around, hold on, let me figure this out. I got a thing in my notes. <laughs> Where is it? Um. Okay. That's right. Okay. Sorry. Let me start that over again. Um, and so, around maybe like in the year 2000, KBOO started having their own daily with a newscast in the evening, as you know, we're trying to stay competitive and relevant to our listening audience, which we know are at that, especially at that time, that um, we were having to split our audience between like OPB and you know our local NPR station here, um, and so. We're constantly trying to make sure that we're not trying to be OPP, but that we realize that we're pulling from the same kind of listening audience of interest. Uh, It's always the tension, as you're saying, probably like it is here, where music programmers think, uh, you know, they always say stuff like, well, why don't you have music programming in the morning and then you have, uh, you know, news people who want to be in the evening because they want to be in that safe harbor. And it's it's a constant tension that will probably never end. And hopefully we want it to never end because we want people to be so dynamic um, in their desires of where they want to hear everything on KABU. But I will admit that it is not an easy discussion. Um we'll probably have another big change up of the programming schedule as you know most community radio stations do within probably the next 5 years or so and we'll have to ask ourselves again where where are we best serving our audience Um, like one thing we realized just very recently was oh x-ray is playing democracy now too you know and so does it best serve us to continue playing democracy now um, in the morning and looking at your schedule looking at our schedule and realizing that um, you know we don't have to all be in quote-unquote competition you know but that we can be best serving the entire radio audience by kind of I think flowing together so it's It is a never-ending battle slash, um, I think, kind of fun. Hmm, What is the best word to use for this? It's kind of a a fun tension in a way that uh, makes things dynamic.
1: Yeah. And one of the ways we've tried to solve it on our radio show is to drop in a song in the middle of the interview. This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm joined in the studio by the one of the interim station co-managers, Jenna Yoko, Yokoyama. Um, we were talking about, we've been talking about some of the tensions of of programming, some of the opportunities of being a community radio station. Um I want to talk a little bit about the finances because um, you guys are free. People can just turn on the radio. Oh, yeah. so uh, it's so free. <laughs> <laughs> free, free, to, free to listen to but not free to produce. Oh, yeah. And that has to be one of the challenges as well. How, 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 how do you address it? How, do, how does a community radio station finance itself?
2: So KABU right now is listener-supported. Uh, we have about 2,500 sustaining members that give anywhere between $5 up through you know $120, $200 a month, whatever they can comfortably give. Then on top of that, we do get some CPB funding, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Um, it's what we use to syndicate some of our programming out and to also pay for programs like Democracy Now! on our station. Then we, you know, we do all the nonprofit things that all the nonprofits out there do. We do, you know, um, car donations. We accept and bequests, and um, you know, we have like annual fundraisers and stuff like that. So we're a pretty classic nonprofit model. Um, but I will admit that we are trying to figure out how we retool our infrastructure. Because, you know, KABU started 52 years ago as this very tiny group of volunteers in a basement. Um, but now we've grown to, you know, reaching all the way past the Dalles and, and all the way down the Willamette Valley. And we have this huge uh, support system and we have tons of volunteers now, uh, which ends up costing quite a bit, you know. But as we've seen um, and across the nation and with all fundraising efforts, that fundraising has changed over time. You know, we have these membership drives that used to be the core of radio, right? We, X-Ray does it. We hear it. OPB still does it. Um, those yearly, monthly, whatever you have them. We I think we have um, a couple big membership drives a year and then a couple small ones. But. Year after year, it actually brings in less people, um, less funding uh, across kind of the board. The membership drive model Mm -hmm. is kind of um, fading a little bit. So we're trying to figure out our own new infrastructure as we say, okay, that model used to work. It's still working. We definitely still get in most of our revenue through our membership drives. But as we're looking forward and trying to figure out how to be around for another 52 years, we're saying, how do millennials give? You know, that's a, a difficult thing. Millennials give money in different ways than baby boomers give. Um, millennials, we find, tend to not want to be called members as much. They, they want to be supporters. But baby boomer generation love being called members. You know, and then we're looking at um, Gen Z as they're starting to come into their adulthood. And they're starting to listen. And we say, well, how do they give? Oh, goodness, they're, they're Patreon people, right? So it's all about trying to figure out the new infrastructure as we move forward. For the next 50 years, and it's uh, it's always a fun one of those tensions things of how do you address all the different generations and acknowledging everybody but growing because we've definitely outgrown our infrastructure and so it's a retooling
1: and 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 I your background uh, in addition to you you have a show um, but you're correct me if I'm wrong, but editing is really kind of your jam like you like doing the editing I do um, I do. As far as a professional skill set, that seems to be... The editors, I know, I mean, you're, you're getting into the nitty-gritty. Mm-hmm. But being a manager, you have to see the big picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is that a challenge for you? How does that work out? How does that balance out?
2: Well, I definitely don't have time for editing anymore. This is the okay. one bummer of managing. is, oh, When you're the manager, you just have so many things to do. You don't have time to do pre-records any anymore to do that editing. So when I am on the radio, it's live radio. But... Um, but what I've enjoyed about becoming um, one of the interim station co-managers is, as you're saying, getting that view that's a little bit farther back of the in- for the institution. Because when I came in, uh, all I did was edit my show, and then I would leave the building, and I really didn't have that bigger picture. But coming in, I say, oh, I now understand why this works the way it does. Why is the programming schedule the way it is? But also, what has been kind of... This eye-opening thing that I didn't realize was going to be so eye-opening was realizing the importance of community radio. I think when you're just have your own individual show, it's kind of this selfish, more ego-driven, you know, motivation where you're like, oh, I have this, I want to interview these great people and bring people from my community in. But when you step back and you you take on management and you're able to sit down with all these programmers and you're having to look at how to support everybody. You see, oh, I didn't even realize who we were supporting because there's so many little pieces, whether it's music. I didn't really realize because I was a public affairs programmer how important KABU uh, was to um, supporting the independent music scene here in Portland for so long before, you know, there were other state community stations around to do so. So you see, oh, what I just thought was, eh, the music programmers, I can't believe they stay up at 3 a.m. You're like, oh, that's that's hugely significant. And Mm -hmm. being so grateful to all the different elements that go in and just realizing um, how important our members are. You know, what what that is to have somebody who decides, you know, I'm going to support you month after month, um, even though I can tune in for free. And you really see where every single dollar goes as management. And it just makes you so humbled and just so grateful for everybody who believes in what community radio can do.
1: Jenna Yokoyama is the one of the uh, Interim Station co-managers for Kboom. Um, you know you've you've sort of been doing this over the last 30 minutes but my last question to you was how about giving a pitch for listeners to tune in to Kboom? <laughs>
2: I think people should tune into KBU because it is your community radio station. You know, we're the oldest, um, kind of one of the oldest media institutions here in Portland. So you're going to hear the gamut. You're going to hear the gamut from our youth collective all the way through programming, that, music programming that you wouldn't have even imagined, like... Um, you're going to hear train sounds for an hour and not realize <laughs> how incredibly significant that that contribution of that artist actually is. So we got a little bit of everything for everybody,
1: and, and you know, and what a great way to uh, connect with with Portland and with your city uh, than tuning into to KBOO. Oh yeah, thank you for coming in.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.